0: Is ready for it hey what's up everybody welcome to another episode of bench units my name is mark i'm joined by james who is still in the depths of quarantine but to brighten our day we've got ourselves a guest i think our first guest ever and maybe the first guest ever who's ever appeared on a podcast because he won a bet i would kind of thought back around it. i don't really know how we got to this um got to this situation but if you don't know who our guest is, which you've probably already seen in the episode titles by the time you've got this far, then maybe this podcast isn't for you. But I'm going to keep vamping because your listen only counts when we get to two minutes, and I've run out of material. So <laughs> welcome to our guest. How's it going, Matt Scott? Thanks for joining us, man.
1: I'm doing great, man. Th- thank you so much for having me. Um, I guess I guess Giannis's free throws got me here. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. No, it's a. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a pleasure to be here, man. I love the I love the platform
0: that you guys got going on. Let's uh, let's chat it up. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. And yeah, you're just for people listening. You're here because you called. I think in a, a private chat, in a reply to one of our Instagram posts, you called that the Bucks would beat the Nets in six games, and I was pretty confident that was going to shake out until the Kevin Durant game, where he had forty was it forty eight he had in game five.
2: Forty, like, yeah, forty-nine, I think.
0: Forty-nine. It like forty-nine.
1: Reason. It would have been forty-nine, but he stepped, up, but he stepped on the line. Ah, can I just <laughs> say,
2: I called Kevin Durant for fifty. Like, yeah, let this be heard. It's exactly. on a podcast. I've got it on wax. <laughs> so,
0: so I mean, you yeah, just got to remove motion those six. feet, man.
1: All, all the cool guys are doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, the um, we're gonna see a wave of like, it's gonna be the next NBA fashion trend to wear shoes that are way too small. Off the back of this game.
1: Did you know know KD wears shoes a size too big? I did know that. I did know that. I knew that before before that game. He had he had gone on about when he made his um his signature shoe, about how he likes to wear them a bit a bit bigger. And I guess that came back to bite him. Yeah, he was (laughs) like, it'll be fine, that won't be relevant.
2: And here you go. He's he's in Cancun or wherever he is now watching the playoffs.
0: There's gonna be there's gonna be some fashion statement made. there's going to be some fashion statement made by guys like Trey Young who shoot from like 12 feet behind the line. The craze is going to be that their shoes gradually get like longer and longer to show off their shooting range. Uh, it's going to get to like <laughs> next generation of players are all going to be wearing like clown shoes or something lined line up from miles back. Anyway, I feel Jamie like we're on already.
2: Yeah, we always do this. We have like five minutes of just like well, Giannis free through length of wasting time and then we're like, okay, what are we actually here for?
0: We just so, get excited to have a guest in, man, and then we <laughs> we get we're like hyperactive kids when their friends are allowed to stay around.
2: Okay, so in the interest of getting back on topic, let's talk about what we're actually here to talk about—the wheelchair game. So, Matt, for anyone listening, I'm going to ask—who um, doesn't know—I'm going to ask you the same question we ask every guest: How did you get started in wheelchair basketball?
1: So, I got started a lot like most people did um just getting getting introduced by either a doctor or a physical therapist or whatever the case may be I was a pretty active kid um really loved the game of basketball always played with my able-bodied friends and um didn't really like the idea of wheelchair basketball just because I didn't know the athleticism and the the competitiveness that it took to play the game um but once I uh, once I did see the game I got a chance to get Introduce the guys like Mikey Pay, Jay Nelm, um, those those guys that obviously you guys know as well. Uh, they were at they were at my first uh, wheelchair basketball uh, practice, and once I saw it, them shooting shooting three three pointers and throwing the ball behind the back, it just, it was just a game I knew I wanted to be a part of.
0: That's crazy, man! They were at your first session ever.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, there's there's some guys there's some guys that you probably wouldn't know, um, yeah. but there's like guys like like Mikey Faye was definitely at my first practice. Jay Nels was there, and those guys are already. I mean, so Jay Nels didn't even have a, a ball chair. He was playing in a day chair, just like I was. Right, at the time. Man. <laughs> And he was a he was a baller. I mean, that that's gonna date me because like guys, don't, nobody plays without a, without a ball chair yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like I'm playing in the 80s or whatever. Yeah, what year was <laughs> but, that? This was '98 when I first when I first got on. Well, if,
0: okay. if it if it um, retracts retracts you saying about it dating you, I was four years old when you attended your first practice.
1: Oh my goodness! Come on, <laughs> you got to stop that.
0: <laughs> I was I funny. was just
1: I was I was just at a um, at the National Wheelchair Basketball Association's national tournament, yeah. and everybody everybody kept coming around and being like, "Oh my god, you're a legend! You're a legend!" And I think that's just what they call people that play the game too long. Well.
2: Is that when you know you need to kind of
1: find the the exit? Absolutely, it's like a dirty word now. If I hear that, if I I hear that again, I'm gonna run away.
0: (laughs) It's like the old. um, There was a thing a few years back at the Steelers where they used to host the Masters tournament, which was a tournament for only like guys and girls over forty. And I think there was even a status that was. It was like the reverse of the junior point, where it was like the Grandmaster status, where if you're over fifty-five, you played with a point off. And it was it was entirely old guys, and it was like there was eight second violations, like just bringing the ball up off light off a made basket. It, was, it sounds like some sounds like Spanish
1: rules. <laughs>
2: yeah, but in the grind, no three point, no no three second call. We all know who we're talking about. We say this like <laughs> once, a, say this once a podcast, now, don't we?
0: Yeah, we're good. So, um, yeah, Matt, we've. Just after touching on kind of how you got started, you're probably the first person we've spoken to in the time we've been doing this. We got a very brief touch on it with, Lannick, with Yannick last week about kind of the American college leagues or like the American league in general, because that's obviously something that neither of us are particularly familiar with. So do you want to tell us a bit about kind of your like your first club team, for example, and then what it came what the situation was in terms of what the state of the college league was like when you got started at that level.
1: So college ball was something that most, most junior kids, like when you're coming up in the league, it's, it's what you aspire to do. Um, You know, all, most of our Paralympic team, actually hundred percent of our Paralympic team um, has been through a collegiate program, whether it be university of Illinois, university of Whitewater, uh texas and arlington um there's there i think there's about 12 or 13 of them now and it just keeps growing Uh, but it's 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 something that all all kids just have the aspiration to to play Uh, i went to the university of wisconsin whitewater um, which is a you know a a storied you know program um it's we we used to call ourselves the duke of wheelchair basketball back when back when Back when I was there, I guess Duke still does pretty good. Um, we yeah. we saw our coach um, Tracy Chinnell, like a Coach K. He was um, he was really really great at breaking the game down from from a a ground level and just teaching us how to play the right way. Um, I feel like in the in the collegiate division, there's a lot of raw talent. There's a lot of guys that you'll see being like, oh yeah, he could be good if or like okay, if if he's a little bit faster, if he knew how to bounce stop, or if he could, yeah. you know, have a consistent shot, um, I think that we learn the, the the fundamentals and we learn how to play sort of the the, the right way, yeah. um, and take those those raw skills and turn them into an actual basketball player. And I really like
0: that. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. an interesting you um, interesting you frame it that way because I always think when you look at kind of the the European leagues wherever it may be that's kind of the one step that's missing almost because a lot of it is like kids turn kids turn 18 and then it's like right leaving home gonna go play in you know wherever it may be and the european clubs and whatnot are so dependent on like year by year results that there's not a huge amount of skill development and i don't i don't know what the solution to that is kind of europe side because it's obviously all driven by money and money equals Chasing results at the expense of everything else. So I think it's interesting that the U.S. is kind of the collegiate league is almost the dedicated skills development league to an extent.
1: It is. I mean, it's one one thing you you play ball every day. You know, you have you have practice all the time, Um, but you also just get drilled in those chair skills and turning the right way. And if you don't turn the right way, then you know, then you're gonna have to get. I mean, I guess not punished, but you know, you're gonna have to do a bunch of suicides and do a bunch of, and you're like in, in Whitewater, the way it was, is you didn't do the right thing. All your teammates had to pay. And, and our coach didn't really care about necessarily wins and losses. As far as we go, if our best player was, was throwing a, throwing an inside pass with, you know, towards the defender, he was coming out. He didn't care if we, if we won the game or lost the game. So, um, be fortunate to play at that, that level. Um, just because, um, you know, flashy things and, and I guess, I guess doing things for, 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 for the thrill of it, yeah. um, throw, throwing behind the back passes or just, you know, taking really deep shots or whatever. Those are fun. Those like, that's, that's fun. But a coach, a coach at that level doesn't really, doesn't really like that. And it's not, you're not really rewarded for it.
2: Yeah. That's one thing that I would say is just a massive difference. Like you even see guys at say the Spanish league, best league in the world, most stacked league in the world this year. There are guys starting on good teams who have never put the ball in their left hand in their entire lives. (laughs) And it's like, that's the one thing that's like, I don't think there's a single one of you guys that have come from the States over to Europe who don't have that fundamental, sort of those building blocks of learning how to play. And I think you guys are up there. GB obviously have a pretty good framework for teaching that sort of stuff, but it's a lot of the other countries, I think maybe it's like lack of, I don't know whether it's lack of funding or lack of depth or whatever, but it's just like, if you're good enough physically, or you can shoot or you can push that kind of gets you most of the way anyway. Cause I think, I don't know, once you've made it to the league, it will be really hard for someone to go hold on. I like, take a step back. I want you to come into an empty gym and just like, work on your bounce stops or work on your left hand passes against a wall. I wonder if it's, is it like, that's probably like a really good time is just kind of thinking out loud here. I think that's like a (laughs) good time where you've got the sort of physical attributes, but you're not at that level where it's like too late. Like you, when you're 25, if someone's like, Hey, come on, man, let's get in the gym and run some fundamentals. I think.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't even think it's really age. It's similar to like what we're seeing in, or what we saw the other week with like Ben Simmons in Philly. And it's like, what once you've been, you know, once you're established and you've been paid X amount for the last three years, nobody's then bet, like Matt said about his coach at, um, at Whitewater, you know, pulling you for throwing the wrong kind of pass. Once you've been in the league for five years and you know, you're on a high salary no one's pulling you out of a game because you, because you got the fundamentals wrong. Whereas I assume there's less money in the college league and whatever. It, it's another factor that, coaches and management don't have to tiptoe around
1: yeah that's that's a that's a good point and then um, i think also it's just the the level of of expertise that you've reached i mean it's hard to tell a paralympian like hey yeah. um you know go up go up with your left hand instead or you know because he's already seen so much uh he's already seen so much yeah like uh, uh i guess at that level he doesn't really need to um he doesn't really need to be told. Yeah. You know, take that and use your non-dominant a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. definitely.
1: There's probably
2: a thing of like, I've seen this go in enough times. I'm good. <laughs> like
1: it's of course. Like, yeah. What did you study? Matt? Uh, sociology. Um, I was, uh, I was always fascinated by people and why they do what they do. Um, you know, obviously I've, I've kind of taken that and, and uh, traveled around the world a little bit and spent some time in a, in a few different countries and, Um, So my studies are, are, are pretty, are pretty uh, still, still accurate just because, you know, wherever I go, I get a chance to see how people, how people do what they do and why they do what they do.
0: That's cool, man. Just last linking point from, um, kind of U S side to, to coming over to Europe when, um, if your coach at your college team was so tight on the fundamentals, When you got to Europe, did it feel like the shackles had just been taken off completely? Did you go into games being like, I'm going to throw crazy passes and I'm just going to beat people one-on-one and do everything I've not been allowed to do for the last however many years?
1: (laughs) So I think think the biggest thing is sometimes when you do things the right way, you're not rewarded for it. So in the college game, I felt that if I – If I turn the right way and, you know, you don't use your footplate for a pick and you don't do this, like you're, you're rewarded for it Um, either by the coaches, by the, you know, you're it's, it's, it's applauded. Um, I think sometimes the wrong things are rewarded in, in Europe, you know, you blast somebody with your footplate and you're like, Oh, nice pick, you know, like, (laughs) Oh, good D, you know, now that wasn't good D, (laughs) you know, it wasn't, but I think sometimes the wrong things get rewarded and then that's when the bad habits develop. Right. Okay. Um, I, th- I think the things that stuck with me um as far as like you know good chair position and all that I think I still have sort of good habits, but I definitely have developed some bad habits based off of just not being rewarded for doing the right thing right okay sure. what do
0: what are your bad habits right now if you if this doesn't give your um your weaknesses away oh absolutely i don't i don't
1: i don't care about that <laughs> <stuff>. but <laughs> um yeah i you know i think if I think if I'm gonna go to the if I'm gonna go to the hole and I in my left my left hand's open and I'm on the right side I'll I'll go up my left hand I I don't feel like I need to prove like I can use my right hand I'm just like <laughs> no I'm gonna put this in as accurate as I possibly can yeah. or um you know if if uh if there's if there's a ball in front of me I'm I usually feel like I'm gonna go get it yes. so sometimes sometimes I'll, I'll reach a couple of times before um before the refs. oh man is that a police officer <laughs> wait a second everybody hide, everybody hide. Can, you guys it? can you we're a couple guys of thousand
0: it? miles away I think we'll be all right
1: <laughs> I, I won't man I won't for <laughs> America <laughs> um so yeah and then, yeah another thing is yeah I definitely always have the feeling that I'm going to get the ball uh, so sometimes it takes it takes one or two times for that for that ref to uh to put me put me in that place before I need to come back
0: OK, and to get to get really deep into that, do you feel like you're going to get the ball because the players in Europe have worse fundamentals than the guys you used to go? up Ooh.
1: Against Ooh. I think I think that's I think that's case by case. I mean, there's some guys in the in the league that have some incredible handles, like no matter what their classification is. It's not like a four pointer thing or a one pointer thing. Um, there's some one pointer that I wouldn't dare try to steal the ball from. Right. Um okay. and 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 there's some four pointers that I'm gonna try to steal the ball from every time because <laughs> yeah. they're they're staring at the ground, um and and I'm just you know I I just feel like I'm gonna come get it, um so it, it's always it's always case by case. Okay, yeah. that's cool.
2: I think there's a there's probably a certain thing of like someone with like the defensive ability that you have and there's a hand, the handful of other guys that are up there too where it's like the occasional gamble isn't worth it's not worth taking away that instinct of like, I'm going to go get this for the occasional gamble where you mess something up. Cause then you lose, like you lose that edge. That means you're just always going to get through a gap or you're going to bust through a pick or you're going to get a tip here or a steal there. I think there's a thing of like, like, it's the same, I would say with like Harry Bryan, where it's like, if he turns the wrong way every so often, it's fine. If he's still going to do what he does every time up and down the floor, like,
1: right. I think that's the that's thing. that's that's interesting. You say that because you know you you asked me which which habits are still there, uh, the ones that you can get away with. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. like if whatever you physically can get away with is yeah. like, yeah, I can turn and reach and do whatever I want as long as I can, as long as I can recover. Yeah. that's not a that's not a good thing to to teach. But it's it's that's those are things you rely on as your your physical attribute.
0: Hey, we don't yeah. we don't live in a perfect world, man. You got to get, get away with what you can, right?
1: Absolutely.
2: I reach when I can't recover. It's fine. Like there's plenty, people, there's plenty of people who mess it up when they can't get back. It's fine.
1: <laughs> you and me both.
2: Man. Yeah. Oh, man. oh god. Okay. Right.
0: So up next, um, I, we've maybe maybe touched on a little bit of the Europe stuff um, just in that kind of last few minutes, but we'll we'll go in order. So. One thing when me and James were kind of prepping for this episode and what we wanted to speak to you about, one thing that I think we both thought was interesting was the fact that you've played um, in Europe, you've played in about as many leagues as anyone that either of us could think of. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but your journey went Turkey at Galatasaray to Porto Torres to and to uh, Mediva, where you have been this last year. So... Do you want to take us through? I think Galatasaray is a bit of a mystery to everybody from the outside because I think there's all this, the rumors and kind of the legend of the conditions that people live in or whatever. Do you want to give us a bit of a peek at that or is that strictly classified and they'll hunt you down if you say anything?
1: Oh, absolutely not. There's no, uh, there, there's, there's definitely no classified there. Um, <laughs> that, that was. Um, that was that was definitely one of the um, one of the most interesting times in my life. Um, just obviously signing my first uh, uh, professional contract and being able to come over and play um, play Europe ball. Um, as I as I told you back in in juniors, it was the aspiration to play in college, um, and then in college, you know, you have that aspiration to play on the national team. But I'd already done that at, at eighteen, so my aspiration was to to take it maybe a little bit further um, and and make it you know make make this my full obligation my full priorities um all I mean pretty much I I don't know what I don't know what you hear about Galatasaray but I'm pretty sure most of it is is like right on the uh, guy you know when I when I no pun intended um my my guys like um I was gonna say uh like like Justin Everson and um What's uh What's the guy from Sweden's name? Blah, blah, blah. Hussein Haidari. They were there before I got there, um, and I had never played with them before, but really like the like the opportunity to come over and and learn from Hussein, who's a great playmaker, and learn from Justin, who, um, whether anybody wants to give him credit or not, he was probably the best player in the world in 2008. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I was I was really pumped to get there. Um, I stayed there for six years. There was um. There was there was there were some things that 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 didn't go particularly well in the last year and ended up finding myself in Italy afterwards. Uh, but those five and a half years were were pretty amazing. Yeah. Man. Awesome. You guys have some stacked teams there as well, man. We did. Um,
2: who else was there your first year? Was it Hussein, Justin Everson?
1: You so we we ended up we ended up signing in in uh, we just ended up signing uh not Justin uh Troy Sacks towards the end of the year as well so we had him for Champions Cup, but this wasn't like a 1996 Troy Sacks that was the you know the only person that could tilt and and, you know best player (laughs) in the world kind of thing, this was like a this was a Troy Sacks who, um for you know definitely still amazing and still. You know, fighting and still playing at, at a high level, um, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same choice act. It was, he was more on on the outside um, or going out. Um, but Justin, as I said, was definitely incredible um, playing playing under Hussein and learning a little bit of what he does. That was incredible as well. That sounds yeah. awesome, man. Yep. Oh, so and Justin- Peter Tuchek. Oh, I don't want to. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. no oh, yeah. Peter Tuchek. I learned. I learned so much from Peter Tuchek. Um, out of out of the guys that I said that I was coming over to learn from, I think I learned the most from Peter Tuche. Um, that that guy, he was the like the epitome of being a professional basketball player. He just knew how to carry himself on the floor, off the floor, and how to approach the game. That's yeah. working. I he's feel probably- like
0: he's he's a little bit of a forgotten guy recently, isn't he? I don't, it's not been that long since he's um, you know since he's called it a day. I think he was with Ilunion for his last handful of years yeah but he just he seems to have kind of he, i think it might be the symptom of Illunion having so many bigs that like two check goes and they're <laughs> just they pull another one out of the factory and you know do, do the installation process and like right go pick for terry right
1: <laughs> He he, yeah, he, was, I, he was next level man yeah yeah i
2: remember watching his last year of elunion we had a game on at some point this last year i don't remember who i was with maybe it was One of the guys from Grand Canaria or I don't know, someone young enough anyway that they were like, who's that guy? And it was like, man, if you were like a couple of years ago, like a a couple of years ago, he was like on a lot of very good teams for a very long time. And that's the thing. It's just because like it was maybe just before wheelchair basketball was really widely available on YouTube week in, week out. And I think that makes the difference, like the amount of young kids that know everyone who's playing right now is yeah.
1: amazing but it really only started in like 2012 yeah you're absolutely right about that and he was he was the one that started that whole you know galatasaray thing he went over there wrote his own wrote his own contract basically um and then got other people to to see like hey this is actually okay because I, I didn't know any of the guys you know I, I most most guys go over to teams that are abroad um because either one of their friends have played there or people that they can kind of like hey you know, get in their inbox and say, hey, is this team okay? I didn't really I didn't really have that. I didn't know any of those guys over there. I was just kind of taking a leap of faith. But guys like Tuchek and guys like Justin Everson and Hussein, like they went and felt it out and saw that it was a pot of gold over there and it was worth worth taking the risk. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've also
2: heard over the I don't know how these stories get to me because I don't actually know anyone who played there over the years apart from you now. And but I've heard like in some of those years in the middle, you guys were just so stacked that your practices were just insane scrimmages. Is that, they, can you confirm they, that you guys just went at it five on five?
1: That is, that is confirmed. <laughs> um, I think, I think some of those, some of those practices were like, I mean, we, we would get to champions cup and we'd play the final and those practices that we had that entire month leading up to it were not, like, those were, those are way better than the, than the actual games that we played. Um, I mean, it would be, it'd be guys, you know, you would put, you know, me, Filipsky, uh, Nosger against, you know, Roddy Hawkins, uh, Piotr Rizinski, um, and Tristan Knowles. You, you understand what I mean? And then like, yeah. then you put guys, then you put guys like Ismail who's the one pointer, um, you know, Fikri, who's a, who's another really good low pointer. Uh, yeah. I mean, some of those games were, were just unreal. Um, and then we'd, we'd obviously we get to Champions Cup and we wouldn't be underwhelmed like some of these teams, you know, the, the you know, unions that we played and uh, Santa Lucia's and um, all the all those teams that we played in the finals were, were really good. But, man, those those practices were next level.
0: Yeah. Sounds like you guys could have split your team in two and entered Champions Cup twice and ended up playing each other in the final. Well, that's a ridiculous situation to me.
2: Just, if nothing else, to call it Galatasaray and Galatasaray
0: Just,
2: <laughs> I, had to, I like that. had to get that one off. Brilliant.
0: Um, so last last thing while we're on kind of Galatasaray side of it. This is something that I, I remember thinking about at the time when you were on these Galatasaray teams, and maybe I don't know how relevant it is now because I think the Turkish league has stepped up a little bit in terms of kind of... Production value, and you know they're you know Pat's playing there now, and they're putting these the videos out for people to watch and stuff. But I think in the years that you were there, the Turkish league was something of a black box to everybody on the outside, and it was like you'd hear these things about oh, such and such had X number of points, or you know Galatasaray have got twelve foreigners, but they're only allowed to play two of them for any given (laughs) game, and they have to you know stack up on their Turkish juniors. So. What was the Turkish obviously Euro Cup was like your guys' big goal, but what was the Turkish League like in those years? Was it vastly behind everywhere else?
1: So I think, you know, if you listen to to, to legend or or all the all the stories um about the Turkish League at that point, um you would you would think that it was just I guess just a wash every time we were just gonna get it every time, but yeah. because of that rule, um, you could only have two foreigners on the floor at once and one on the on the sheet. Yeah. So even if you had if you had six foreign guys on the team, three of them had to sit out. Right. So really, really, you only had three three foreigners. It didn't matter how many were on your actual roster. Um, and then uh, we had Besiktas, who was um, who was highly made up of most of the Turkish league players, or not Turkish league, the Turkish national team players. Um, so I I thought that that league was very similar to playing in Germany um, okay. where it was, where it was just, I mean, it was going to be our, or I'm sorry, Lundell versus Thuringia, no matter what. I mean, yeah. the, the other teams could fight, they could do whatever they want. They could have the best game of their life. They're not going to make it to the final. Um, it's, it, it was very top heavy and those two teams were obviously going to make it. You, you knew that in October, you knew it in May. <laughs> um, so, so, I feel like, you know, when, when I hear people talk about the Turkish League back then, um, I don't really see how it was any different.
0: Right. Okay. That's interesting. I think um, the the Turkish League, I don't know if it'll ever kind of be on par because it doesn't seem like there's as many teams. as, For example, in Spain, there's like been legitimately eight or nine good teams. And I think that's maybe where Turkey lags behind a little bit. But I think... Um, the bits and pieces of video I've watched even going back, back like a handful of years now, it just seems to be the most like ruthlessly physical league I've ever seen. And I think most players, if you show them the video, would be like, actually, I'd quite enjoy a season here just to see what I can get away with. But I can imagine it would be really tough to integrate yourself back into like a more civilized league in the years after that.
1: Civilized is a good way to put it. <laughs> civilized is a good way to put it. Yeah, that was, um, you're right. It was it was brutal, but it was it was fun.
0: It yeah, was fun. I, I mean,
1: there was, there was some, there was some really, really physical players and the physicality out there was, was, was not like, uh, not like some of the other leagues that i played in, but um, then you'd have to kind of switch your, uh, switch your code a little bit when you got to, got to Europe. And um, yeah. it was, it, it was, you know, I mean, we're hot, we're world-class players at the end of the day and we know how to, how to play the game the right way. And as you said, sometimes you can get away with some stuff, but um you, you got to switch it back to to the right way
0: We're good yeah it's kind of like the the big adjustment in Euro Cup this year was obviously the Spanish junior point <laughs> the big adjustment for you guys in Europe was by the sounds of it not fouling out in the first like five minutes of the game <laughs> it
1: was uh, that was
0: it was an interesting it was definitely an interesting year <laughs> <laughs> we good um should we shift on a little bit then and we'll talk Porta Torres if that's all right with you
1: Yeah, of course.
0: So I may get this wrong. Three years at Portosaurus, two years at Portosaurus. I should have done my research prior to this. Two. Two. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that.
2: I like the two fingers up to try and help us out. I appreciate it. But we're just
0: after I'd said it. I should I should have vamped a little bit. (laughs) Um Okay, cool. So you're at Port Torres for two seasons, um, played with a couple of guys that have been guests with us before in George and Phil. Um, and you guys kind of, that first year when the three of you all got together, you guys came out blazing. And I think you were, you undefeated for basically the whole season bar bar one game. Is that right? So yeah, that that is right. So you, I think that was your second year, right? That Phil joined you, but
1: yeah, first year was just George and um our we had we also had Martin Edwards and oh yeah uh, the, next, the next year the next year was uh, when when Phil joined and uh, Simon was on that team as well
0: oh yeah so he was so I think <laughs> Simon's just part of, part of the Port Torres furniture isn't he just kind of every every now and then they do a reshuffle and they're like oh yeah there he is he's back <laughs> so Port Torres how does that how was the transition, kind of Galatasaray to Porto Torres, and your first experience of the Italian league? What was, what was your takeaway from your time there? I guess. So I quite
1: liked the Italian league. I thought it was, I thought it was good. There, there's some, there's some rulings in, in, there, just sort of like the Spanish team, the Spanish league, um, that I think could be, you know, changed a little bit and, 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 and improve some things. But I really liked the Italian league for the most part. It was a big, it was a big switch from playing at Galatasaray to playing in, in Italy. Um, everything was so, you know, you didn't want to, you didn't want to throw up like a, a tri- like not a trick shot, but just like kind of joking around in, in Galatasaray practice. Like everything was like business, 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 you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, we, the, the end goal was always in mind, no matter what. Um, when I came to Italy, it felt like it was like, you know, it can relax a little bit and, enjoy the enjoy the basketball is like sometimes in Turkey you almost you almost felt like you, you weren't playing basketball anymore it was like we just we, we, this is we're on a mission and, yeah. and this, is, this is what we got to do yeah it was it was a job it was very much a job um, I definitely I definitely um, I definitely was very uh, very happy with the players that I played with there and learned so much from them um, but moving on to Italy was more of a like an, an enjoyable basketball experience. And um I I really really love that especially like moving to the island um not the Island I mean you you lived on the island the <laughs> island. I, no, but I'd say it's it's a
2: similar sort of experience. Right. I think it's a bit it colder is. but yeah I, that is. was that was my question. I'm super not on basketball apparently where I was like I was gonna ask what's the did you enjoy the
1: lifestyle switch from the did to sardinia oh it was it was awesome man i could wake up every morning and go you know check out the ocean and just kind of it was man it was it was a vibe honestly you know finish practice go have a nice slice of pizza have a coffee in the middle of the day. like every i love the the italian lifestyle it was super relaxed um some, sometimes it was because i was so used to that high professionalism high this high that um and then moving on to to i mean it wasn't the polar opposite but it was very very different um but after after a while that would sort of lean on me as well because i wanted to get back to like not even that it was just very uh structured or or you know uh, super super uh intense it was just i needed i needed that structure of of one of of putting a goal out there and, and and reaching it. Um, And I think that's when I moved over to, to Germany, but let's stay on Italy for a minute. Yeah.
0: So by by the sounds of it, Sardinia, obviously you mentioned uh, going to Germany at the end of it there, but Sardinia and Porto Torres was effectively like your gap year after a a real tough um, few years at Galatasaray. I'm going to go have some fun for a bit and I'll come back, come back refocused.
1: It was definitely. um, I think (laughs) I didn't, I didn't really, um, I didn't leave Galatasaray with the uh, with the same, I guess, love for for playing as I as I once had. So um, when I went to when I went to Puerto Torres, it was much more like reaffirming, recollecting, re readdressing like how I feel about the game, and um, and I just had fun playing it. It was awesome. Sure. Yeah. yeah man. At the end of the day,
2: that's what it's all about, isn't it? Like, uh, although this is obviously talking about high level stuff like we're playing a kids game and <laughs> still it's the game we all fell in love with to the point that we're playing it every day or we're sitting here middle of the day for you middle of the evening for us talking about it like but Italy was when you were there it was kind of it was a two-team league really wasn't it, it was you and Cantu
1: at that stage it was it was um I, I think I think some of the some of the teams were were really tough as well though like the first well the first year that that I was there for um Kent not Cantu, uh what was the Rome team
0: yeah, uh, Santa Lu- Lu-
1: Lu- San Lucia. Lucia they were they were really tough yeah um, so there was Santa Lucia and then Cantu, and then my next year Santa Lucia I believe folded yeah um so so there was there was a handful of other middle of the road teams that that were super fun to play the Varese's and the um, I can't even remember some of the team's names but yeah. they, they were fun to play because I mean they just came out and I always felt like the Italian teams they always had like a like a chip on their shoulder when they played like some of the foreign guys they wanted to like show you oh yeah
0: that's real that is real 100%. yeah super real <laughs> so I, lo- I I loved it
1: I really enjoyed it wow um, yeah and it, it was it was just a cool league to be a part of yeah
2: well, Mark, I think did you they... notice the did you notice the chip on the shoulder thing in Padova as well
0: Um, I think maybe less (laughs) so then because it was the year that I was there. It was the, I mean, A, I probably didn't get it. Because you're not Matt, Scott. Nearly as much as Matt did because no one in their right mind would give a crap who I was. Um, But yeah, I think maybe less so because it was only the one Italian rule at that point, uh, the one Uh, guy on the floor for each team. And I think as it escalated to the two Italian thing, I think there became, like Matt said, a real chip on the shoulder about there was almost because it was mostly like ones or juniors or um, like women, for example, with the point uh, difference. There was a real chip on the shoulder element of I deserve to be out here. I'm not just out here. I'm not just on the floor to fill the quota kind of thing. And if their way of expressing that was for wait to wait for Matt to be rolling down the middle for a layup and take him out and put him on his back, then that was how they were going to do it. (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're, they're just a temperamental people That that's like a large part of the not that obviously whoever you played against in Turkey wasn't temperamental Max I'm sure they, they very much were um, but yeah I think it's just part of the Italian Italian culture isn't it I, I mean overtaking these guys on the road using the correct lane is like an insult to who they are as a human being so you can you can only imagine what it's like when they think they're only out there to make numbers up <laughs>
1: I love that. That's like the quote of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man,
2: a, who, talk just briefly in case I forget when we move on to Spain, Spanish people or Italian people who, who's more insane, like who's got the worst temperament?
1: Ooh, it's different, man. It's different. I think, I think in Italy, it was more of like an emotional uh there's more more you know once when you entered the games or even out, off off the court it was like things were very very emotional um i think i think in spain i think it was more temperamental it was like it was like one emotion it wasn't like you like a ride range of emotions it was just like <laughs> one emotion all the time oh, uh, I, I choose i choose the italian <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure. for better or worse <laughs> so um, yeah, kind of I guess last point from me on on it leaks. I'd be interested to get your perspective on this, but obviously you kind of hopping from um, from Torres when you did and then having moved from Germany to Spain subsequently. the Italian league's taken kind of a real dip in in standard. I think it's it's fair to say. Part of that was COVID and that they, you know, they contracted their league so they could sort the travel out and stuff. That's obviously not helped. But for you, um, going from the state it was in, you know, even prior to I think the glory days of the Italian League were maybe the couple of years before you arrived at Porto Torres, I think it's fair to say. Um, and then kind of the state it's in now, what do you think has lured so many people away from Italy and what's kind of led to the decline of the league a little bit?
1: I think that I think that rule was really was really what what did it. Um, A lot of guys wanted to wanted to play with each other, and they they knew they they couldn't do that. Um, Couldn't do that there. Um, You can't you can't really like load up the teams the way you can in Spain. Um, Spain has so many different players from so many different places, and you see you see some really quality basketball there. And I think you take away from the quality of the basketball when you start putting rules out there that um, that stop them from playing together. Um, but also I think people want to play against certain people, um, who they see as the, the you know, the, the, the top guy, the people that you're gunning for, even if you don't even know that that's what you're doing. I feel like some people, uh, I don't know if we're like chasing after the best competition, but, um, you know, you notice like, Oh, Hey, this guy's playing over there. Um, or those, those teams are playing over there. I want to, I want to play against those guys. Um, that's kind of what, that's kind of what it brought me to, to Spain was like, there's so many good players over here. Might as well come over here. Um, I, I think that also happened in Italy, and um, I guess it didn't really happen so much in Germany because I, I think there's. I don't know. I don't know why that didn't really happen in Germany, but
0: um, yeah, yeah. I think we'll um, we'll jump to jump to Germany now, but um, kind of the similar to what you mentioned with um, Galatasaray and Beşiktaş, it's kind of a two team top-heavy environment. And I think, to be honest, that it, it kind of shows the immaturity of wheelchair basketball as a professional sport in that there's two teams that just have the money and the infrastructure to be light years ahead of, you know, whoever and everyone else is playing to finish first outside of those two, I guess. Um, so, yeah, you effectively joined the the and Bulls at the same time as Jake, I believe. You guys joined the same year? And, yeah, it, was, just, it was effectively the, the Bulls' way of, you know stamping their claim and saying, Hey, you know, we're here as well. And we're every bit, even to, even to Landil, which is they were the only team that had a chance of, you know, getting there if they made some signings and that's what they did by bringing you guys in.
1: That, that club is um, that's one of the best clubs that I've ever played for to date. Um, they're super professional, they have super high aspirations. Um, they have a really good coach as well, which is, which is, you know, so, sometimes that's, that's not really heard of in, in some, some, some of the good, the good clubs in wheelchair basketball. Yeah. Um, it's just more of a funding thing and they're able to, um, to get whatever players, but uh, you know, the, the bulls are, are definitely deep in every aspect and that. And that's, that's, that's cool to see. And that was, but that year, but yeah, that was the year I signed there with, with Jake, um, which, you know, we actually, we didn't really decide to do it together. It wasn't like we like called each other up and was like, Hey, let's, play there it was like they were they were kind of talking to me they were kind of talking to him um I know he was playing at Hamburg at the time um and they they were really trying to pull a pretty good team together still um I was definitely leaving Italy wanted to come over to Germany um it's funny because uh Vanessa Erskine I don't know if you know Vanessa at all yeah she yeah. she she basically recruited both of us um because right. we're like we're like really we're like really good friends with Vanessa um so then we when we got there we both decided to sign and she left <laughs> oh <laughs> so, wow
0: <Made laughs> Switch, man. that yeah. was like one last
1: she, parting gift for for the
2: bulls she was like yeah i'm out of here but here you go yeah. here's two exactly. champions
1: which which was ended up being okay i mean obviously would have loved to play with her um that's you know that's that's the homie and she's a she's also a very talented player but that um that opened the door for yusuke visitor come over which yeah um pretty much solidified our lineup yeah
0: sure
2: yeah I think having Yitzka as obviously female one pointer but actual contributing basketball player was a massive part of your guys lineup because I think you see a lot of four four players female one pointer just kind of there to get under 14 and a half but her being actual world-class one pointer gender irrelevant I think I think people who don't kind of really look at it wouldn't understand that that made such a massive difference to you guys but
1: she was amazing oh it's i i couldn't have said that better i love that you said gender irrelevant just because i mean she's she's easily one of the best one pointers that i've ever played with and not because of the, the the i guess the subtraction rule or the the minus rule or whatever whatever you want to call it um she could she could easily play as a one pointer and 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 hold and hold their own or maybe even be the best. Sure.
0: That's um that's cool, man. I think it's I think it makes a lot of sense when you look at how you guys played across those years and you you see kind of the aggressive defense that in particular like yourself and Jake and guys like Andre Binek when he was in the game, the real kind of hard hitting and ball pressure stuff that you guys are able to do. I don't think a lot of teams really realize it when they go four big and like James says four big and whatever pl- fifth player it takes to get under points but it really compromises your defensive intensity because you're constantly worried about you know covering for the for the less able player on the floor and that really didn't affect you guys because Yitsuka was so able to hold her own in you know so many circumstances even with physically, the in the German physically, league.
1: Physically but also but also vocally, I mean, she she was able to accurately describe everything that she needed on the floor, yeah. um, and she was, but all while seeing the seeing the game really well and letting us know what we needed to do. She was, um, what she what she couldn't do physically, she she made up for vocally or just just being a leader out there, which really helped our team a lot. That's yeah.
0: awesome.
2: When you were there, you lived. I know a lot of the players live like on site, right beside the basketball court. You were there, weren't you? Yep, yep. Right it right there in the okay. fit in, man. What was
1: what was that like? That was that was cool. Um, I mean, one of my best friends and in, in that, that plays wheelchair basketball, and Jake Williams is my like next door neighbor. It was sure. like we were in college again. It was like these <laughs> like little college dorms. Um, you know, we just we just really wanted to play ball. Um, we wanted to we wanted to, you know, have access to the gym. We wanted to have access to the court. Um, and we just wanted to prioritize what we were doing there. Um we could have you know, been in the city of Erfurt, which isn't a, which isn't a bad city. That's, um, that's a little bit further away from, from, from everything, but we wanted to be in the thick of things. And uh, that, it was, a, it was a cool environment to be in for, for the short term. I mean, obviously, um, I believe Jake's in his thirties this year. I think he turned 30. Um, I'm well in my thirties. Um, that can only, that, that kind of living situation can only last for, for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's probably like what you were
2: saying about sort of coming out of a really, really structured environment and wanting to sort of find your love of basketball again. Once you found that getting back into a place where you keep the main thing, the main thing that was probably perfect for the short enough period of time. I'm sure it gets horrible at some point. A- or so like you were there for COVID
1: and stuff, weren't you? So it was a good mixture of, of, of those things. So it was very much, we have this goal and we're working towards this goal and high level of professionalism. But, um, but also it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, the, the, the team was, um, was very, very good at, you know, just keeping the joy in the game and things like that. But yeah, as you mentioned, I was over, I was there over COVID, um, pretty much right after, right after the year after I got really sick, after the whole, um, oh, yeah. the whole sepsis thing. So, um, yeah it was it was definitely time to leave germany and it had nothing to nothing to do with uh, the club or anything like that but it's like all right like global global disaster disaster with my health like i'm getting out of here man this is this is this is enough yeah. for me yeah.
2: yeah you were cursed like you were just yeah, in places and you were like if they come in threes i don't want to see it
1: don't want to see the plague yeah that's, no no yeah. absolutely not no. it's
0: um it's interesting to hear you say how much you know how much fun it was to um, to live there in the short term because I think both James and myself have been um, been at the Bulls facility for like a matter of maybe a, a few days each. I was there for Euro League <laughs> and I think James was there. You were there with the we came the, to a
2: scrimmage with you guys. Yeah, the select team. Right? Oh that yeah, boys. I
0: remember. And um, I think we all got there. And bearing in mind we were when we went to this EuroLeague, we were very much an amateur club and most of us were kids or like, you know, late teens or whatever it may be. And um, we got there and it was like, man, these guys are so perfect. You know, this whole place is like army barracks and it's like the most professional set we'd ever seen. Um, and I was speaking to Harry, who was on my, on my team at the time, and we'd both kind of, we'd each said that we were going to get this season over and then look to go to Europe and harry was like i think this would actually be a good place you know this would suit you down to the ground and i was like i honestly don't know if that's <laughs> if that's a compliment or not or if you think i'm just better off kind of you know put aside and you know put in the um, in the asylum and forced to play basketball but, <laughs> yeah i think everybody who's been there kind of has has good things to say about it one way or another Oh,
1: absolutely i mean they've you're you're a little bit you're a little bit too close to it at at, at times but yeah. i mean Practice two times a day. It just—I mean—we spent so much time in that facility anyway. I mean, had I left to go home to my apartment, I wouldn't be—I wouldn't be there very long anyway. I might as well just get a bed <laughs> in here and just, just go to sleep. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it was—we spent a lot of—I mean, uh, we they, we always pretty much had two a days. Um, yeah. You know, we had you know team things that we did, maybe video or just getting together. Um, we we were always in that facility, so it just made sense to kind of make a bed and sleep. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, so two years in Thuringen and I guess two Champions Cup wins later. um, That brings you to kind of where you've been this last season and we'll be careful not to retread here because seemingly everybody that we ever get on this podcast has been in Spain this past year because everybody plays in Spain now. But um, yeah, you've been at um, Mediba this past season. What's kind of your... You mentioned a little bit how you kind of came to Spanish league because that's where all the talent was flocking to. But what's been your take on the Spanish league, and did it meet your expectations? I guess.
1: To be honest, I think going going into this year with with COVID and everything, I guess my expectation was just to. I mean, I guess hope was that we just get through the year, um, yeah. you know, be be able to be able to play at a high level, be able to. Um, Yeah. Just, just successfully complete the season. Um, You know, obviously having, having Tokyo in mind, but still having those doubts that it may or may not happen. um, Obviously those doubts started to clear up a little bit more throughout the, throughout the season um, and things started to be a bit more clear. Um, But yeah, I think, I think it met my expectations as far as like we completed all the games, nobody got criminally sick or, um, you know, is it, it, I think this year went just as well as it as it could have went. Um, there was some phenomenal teams. Bilbao was uh, Bilbao was insane all year. Uh, they were mm-hmm. they were t- they were tough to beat. Um, and uh, obviously, Albacete was incredible uh, throughout throughout. What's the cup called? Copa Cope Copa del Rey. Del Rey. Yeah. They they were awesome. You could you could see from from the first jump ball that they were going to win that tournament. They were awesome. Um, and then having mm-hmm. the chance to play. Having a flat chest play like Grant Canaria, that like that was. I mean, I'm not just saying that because you know you're the host of this podcast. Like you guys are the most fun. You guys were the, fo- the the most fun team in wheelchair basketball, in my opinion. Um, it's not like, me anymore. Uh, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But just um, you know, obviously, um, just having having a lot of admiration for uh, for Jorge Sanchez, who's now my Paralympic teammate, and seeing Rose kind of have like a coming coming out party. I mean, she's always been really good. Um, but it's it's been that was that was a fun team to play against. It's fun, a fun team to watch. So it was cool to be amongst amongst you guys. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, playing against you guys was a lot of fun because
2: I feel like in our place we beat you. And I don't know how many it was in the end, but I feel like we had we had a great game. Came to your place and you guys just beat the brakes <laughs> off us completely. And it was just like, oh, so it's just it's just one and one now, is it like I really wanted the third game against you guys because oh. I didn't want to go out like are we, gonna, that. are we gonna run it back or what's what's going on? <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going back to Grand Canaria, so
1: I I don't well, know. I don't know if we can run it back, man. <laughs> let's let us let us switch it. You can go over to Badajoz. I'll go over to the
0: island. <laughs> what <do you> think. <laughs>
2: I'll I'll go I'll go wherever I can get to, man. Hey, come <laughs> on! Man. I
0: I know that the rap on Grand Canaria has been that they managed to fudge the points a little bit, but they even they're not swapping a three five out for a two. <laughs>
1: We're going to play to 20 points next season. <laughs> I thought that was the thing in Spain. I thought you needed to play as many points as possible. Yeah. Yeah. oh Yeah, of course. Well, no, convention. that
2: is officially the thing. Like, that's what works. But that's the inefficiency in, like, statistically, that's the inefficiency of in wheelchair basketball. If you can get more points on the floor, you should. Yeah. Until they change the rules. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but, like, apart from that, obviously, you guys you guys came out of the gate started really well against Bilbao beat the brakes off them. And I was like, Oh, here we go. Here's just, here's the beginning of the end of the league. You guys pressure everyone on the halfway line, get a steal, lay up, continue. Um, but obviously that ended up not being the case. You kind of had a couple of games against the big teams that didn't go the right way, but can you put your finger on what you think didn't work out this season for you guys, whether that's X's and O's or whatever,
1: I mean, we had a we had a we had the injury in the middle of the year, um, losing losing Billy halfway throughout throughout the year that that really hurt going into um, going into the Albacete game, I think would have been nice to have his outside shooting. because um, obviously that that helped us a lot in that fresh Bilbao or Bilbao win. Yeah. Um, and then as you said, just some things just didn't go the right way. Um, you know, there's a lot a lot of teams that grabbed momentum and when we seem to lose it and um that's just the way basketball goes sometimes you know momentum is everything and um i think towards the end of the towards the end of the year um we really we really lost momentum and then obviously going into the coach del rey not having george um because he was getting ready to have a beautiful baby um, yeah that that definitely took the wind out of our sails and we didn't really it really yeah. stand much of a chance without our starting starting power forward really yeah, yeah
0: and you, you it, guys ha- had a tough draw in that first game, right? <laughs> Going up against uh, Luton in the opening game. Yeah, but, they're a bad
1: matchup for us as well.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: I think Giants. And you're missing George. Just also need to be officially on record as a bench in his podcast saying congrats to George and Amelia. I, it means I think obviously, but congrats <laughs> to <him. laughs> No, of course he doesn't listen to this, and I've already spoken to him actually. But you know.
0: Yeah, we, we, we need to keep the appearance up at the very least. Um, I feel like
1: every I feel like everybody that plays wheelchair basketball, especially at a high level, they should if they don't listen to it, they should definitely at least at least help share it, help, help get your platform up. Because I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool what you guys do. No, we obviously exactly. try we try we tried our hands at it with me, Jake, and and, and gaz for for a short period of time. I don't know how you guys do it to be honest like we had we had one episode about talking about the uh, the female rule and people were so pissed <laughs> <laughs> i
2: i think our secret to success is just the constant disclaimer that we're only just having fun talking like we're just yes. don't, like don't take me seriously is kind of yeah. the, the tagline but Okay. We, because you know, we love it man like this is called bench units podcast because the whole thing was me and mark played a year in sheffield where we started george uh bates ben fox phil harry and abdi so me and mark were right. just sitting there talking so we were like if we're gonna sit here and talk basketball should we record it
0: hey we, <laughs> we, we may we may as well record this stuff and lose money to host it on the internet right <laughs> it was
2: free back then well no we were paying we were paying club fees to not play so
0: well yeah that's true good good point um so yeah i think to kind of wrap on your timeline a little bit matt we um we ask everybody this who who comes on um you're under no obligation to answer but just in terms of kind of what your we've talked about your various steps do you know what your next move is in regards to next year or you know whatever the the future may hold undisclosed okay cool <laughs> one day we're gonna get
2: someone some of it. slip up, and when you do we'll be ready
0: we did we didn't get yannick to say but he did kind of half-heartedly admit that when he announces it he'll do it through us but i don't know if i really believed him or if he just said it to kind of get us to stop asking
1: I'll- I'll I'll leak an anonymous tweet or something like that. And I'll hey. just be like bench bench unit.
0: Hey, we got a Kevin Durant burner account. <laughs> there we go. It's funny actually. We were having a, having a conversation today just this was off the record just us talking crap like we do, but we we're like we I wonder what the um what kind of media presence we could stir up for ourselves if we each had a burner account and we just leaked all the gossip that we heard. We could you know, we could be first to report it and then we could be the podcast that picked up the the anonymous leaks and, you know, broke them down at great length. We'd look like we we're on it.
1: I feel like you're on to something. I want to, where, where do I
2: sign up? <laughs> It'll be like wheelchair basketball gossip, girl. I spoke about this with, I spoke about this with Rose at one point. But the thing is, if I was involved, I'm so, I'm so likely to say something that anyone who knows me would be like, obviously this is run by james like this is not <laughs> like if we mixed it with like actual concrete stuff that we'd heard was happening and then just randomly like rumor has it this guy has an extra toe like i think we could get away with it but we would just need to make it really weird to kind of dilute the actual leaks
0: yeah that's a very very good point oh. i feel like we're a way away from getting that implemented because there's a lot of things that could trip us up
2: yeah, no one listens when we're actually putting our own name on it. Like, so
1: we need to think of something there. That... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when you when you guys finally have a when you guys finally have an episode that starts pissing people off, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> well
0: well, we we thought we were gonna get it with Yannick last week, to be honest with you, because he we asked him about kind of the Spanish point deductions and everything like that. Ooh, and, okay. Yeah. Yannick was essentially like, look, man, I'm, I'm a one. I have no interest in everybody else getting a point or a point and a half taken off them because it makes it way more difficult for me to do my job. And it works. So, um, yeah, it but we thought we um, might get some backlash on that front. But I think everybody who's played in Spain for the last handful of years is kind of sick of the whole thing. So I think it's kind of gone over yeah. without without a hitch.
2: OK, Matt, here's sense. your opportunity to burn Around. What do you Ooh. think about point deductions in Spain
1: and in Europe? Why I mean, do, that? do whatever just, you want? Just, just, to be honest, I mean it, as you said it's been going on for so long that we've all kind of accepted it. Um, so I, you know I obviously joined uh, the Spanish League without any problem I just kind of joined it and didn't, didn't really see it as too much of a fuss. but I will say that grown men playing as point, like a point under. I, I would feel I would feel slighted if I was them um I, I don't feel a way about it because I, my my points are being reduced um I feel like they should feel a way <laughs> like I would never want I would never want to come in and be like, okay sweet I'm a two and a half now like yeah that would that's just kind of embarrassing feel yeah. like I feel like, they should, I, feel like they, I feel like they should feel embarrassed.
0: yeah I think I agree with you but I also think we're a long way away from the first person filing like a petition to be like, hey can I play to my full points please. Really? Oh yeah,
1: oh, I thought you were saying people are doing that. Oh, yeah. you're right. We're definitely far away from that. <laughs> like,
2: imagine that like Bilbao or an, any other team or even Gran Canaria someone being like, "Ah, I don't know, man, like I don't think I need the point off
1: and the coach be like, "Shut
0: up." <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a, a quick way to get yourself a flight home paid for by the club, if you ever
1: need. Oh, 100%. 100%. But I mean as as a I think if if you reach like being a paralympian, if you reach the national team, yeah. I think maybe maybe the, the rule isn't for you. Yeah.
0: That yeah. that was a, a point Yannick made actually about how it was done in the Australian League is that the kids get junior point up until a certain age, or if they reach the point where they represent either I think either the junior team or the senior national team in a competition, right. then you no longer get your junior deduction because it's like a, a rite of passage where it's like, Hey kid, you've you've made it now kind of thing.
1: Of course. That totally makes sense. Because I think
2: that is the end goal of point reductions, isn't it? Like developing young guys to making national teams. And once you've done it, like, cool, congrats. I
1: agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. So to, yeah, to jump on ever so slightly, you said undisclosed in answer to what's happening next year. I'm just going to theorize and I, (laughs) you are going to tell me that this is wrong because it definitely is wrong. But seeing as we've talked about your various steps in various leagues, are you engineering your next league-to-league move? And are we going to see you in, like, France or the UK <laughs> league or in, in Denmark or somewhere that no one even knows has a wheelchair basketball league? Are you going to pioneer does, your own league that you're going to claim as your own?
1: Does Sheffield um, have any spots left on, the, on that bench or no? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure they do, man. I, I can put you in touch, but it's um, – it, I can tell you after the various places you've lived Sheffield is only going to be disappointing I can promise you that
1: there's some good food there okay. it's got to yeah, be better they're... than Battersea <laughs> Okay um, so okay, should so, we, should yeah, we we'll, ta-
0: it? we'll take that as we're not getting any more info and we'll shift on
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> Okay so talking should we should we completely change gears and talk some NBA
0: Yeah let's do it man
2: Okay, so as Mark mentioned, you are here because you're a Bucks believer in a roundabout way. I think we would have got you on here eventually, but that was accelerated by the fact that the Bucks got it done slash James Harden and Kyrie Irving couldn't stay healthy, even though they rested a full season. But anyway, we'll take it. Um, So just to really kick it on to the very end of this conversation at the beginning, who's
1: going to take it all home? I'm still a Bucks believer. I'm still a Bucks believer. Man, uh, a, I, will, I think uh where are we at? We're in game five now.
0: Yeah, I so it eight. is it's three two um Suns over Clippers and it is two one Bucks over Hawks, I believe. Game four is tonight.
1: Yeah, I say Bucks and six. And
0: I, I've got I've got them taking the whole thing.
1: To be honest, I've been I've been following all their games. I skipped the Clippers game last night because that I think somebody somebody referred to that to that series as the Rock fight. I'm just not having fun watching it. But, like it's you, just not.
0: You telling me, man? For all your love of basketball, I can't interest you in a vintage DeMarcus Cousins performance. <laughs>
1: oh no! Stop it.
2: I just no. I just love the fact that like Paul George goes everywhere like completely viral. For missing two free throws at the end of a pretty good game from him. And then game, game after he has 41.
1: Nobody you know, cares. cares. Silence crickets. To be but, honest, I think he's done, he's done that to himself, man. With you know, just the whole, the whole, um, playoff Dame thing. Like, yeah, the playoff P yeah. like not yeah. giving Dame Dame his credit when he hit the shot in his face. To send yeah, him that's home. a bad shot. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, he, he's done all that to himself.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he—it's a shame because he is just never gonna get the recognition. And I think, considering the Kawhi situation, how far the Clippers have got right now, it is a win for them and is some level of redemption from last year. I, they can't win the title without Kawhi, so this is as good as it's gonna get, and they're just not gonna get any recognition for it because no people refuse to acknowledge anything good that Paul George does, and it's yeah i'm one of those people i refuse <laughs> Ka-
1: Kawhi is such a quiet person that you don't even realize that he's like injured or out or anything like that like you he, he's he just like he's just gonna show up and be back in the game and the gonna tell
2: yeah like they're not gonna announce that he's healthy for game six he's just gonna like suit up and like just be there at tip
1: he might have blown his knee out. like he might be done for a year but no one knows yeah. I like the meme that I like the meme that says um, Kawhi's family doesn't even know he's in the NBA. He just comes home and starts eating dinner. Just, like, <laughs> doesn't say anything everybody.
2: Did you see two games ago, Marv Albert, um, or was it Mike Breen? I don't remember. Whoever was on the call, um, Paul George hit a big bucket, and they skipped over to Kawhi and it was like, "Ah, and Kawhi's going wild in the crowd, and he's just sitting there like." Yeah, a <laughs> kid so, uh, either side of him. Uh, he must have such a good life. Like that's perfect—rich but not famous. Like that's yeah, that's the dream.
0: <laughs> I think it, it's so weird that he's just sitting in a box on his like with his family during these games, man. It's it's such a level of detachment. Like I get that he's obviously the star, and stars get s- like special treatment or whatever. But if I was on it, if I was on that guy's team, and we're you know. The fact that they're only down one game in the Western Conference Finals is nothing short of a miracle, and he won't even come and sit on the bench with them. I'd be like, "What the hell, man? Like, <laughs> are you up there texting because you're actually sorting out your sorting out where you're going next season? <laughs> like, and you don't want anyone to look over your shoulder?"
1: He's one of those guys that never gets harassed about where he's going either. He's, he's just going to go where he's going to go. Just going to accept it as fans.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like. But I think there is a thing of like, hey, could you like stand up and fist pump once when we get an and one in the fourth quarter, just one time for thirty-five million a year, please? Yeah. Like, he can care as much as he wants to care. I like he's earned it, man. Like he can do whatever yeah. he wants at this stage. Like uh, I think
0: it's funny that it's funny that he you say thirty-five million a year to get that, meanwhile, Steve is like the richest NBA owner ever, and he's behaving like a bloody soccer hooligan who's just you know, you can barely keep him off the court from, like, running in and assaulting people when they're shooting free throws or whatever. Absolutely. It's like, hey, he's way, he's way richer than Kawhi, and he cares what's going to happen in here. <laughs> yeah. He's also paying be- people, so maybe that affects it. Yeah, Steve
2: Ballmer yeah. is acting as if he's in a casino, and every play is him putting $120 million on red or black because that's effectively <laughs> what he's doing. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. but. Yeah, I don't know, man. Just all of me wants to see Phoenix making it to the NBA Finals because Chris Paul can be like, I told you.
1: I told yeah, right. you. Put the ball in my hands. Right. Get
2: me to the right elbow. We'll figure it out. Like,
1: I want to yeah. see Giannis do it. No matter how bad his throw routine is, I want to see him win the championship.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, for me, the Giannis thing, I got to this point with LeBron as well in his Cleveland to Miami years where... I I was never thought of myself as like a LeBron fan, more above anything else, but it got to the point where I was so sick of the narrative around him and people, you know, tugging at his any shortcomings that he may have, where I was like, I hope this guy does it because then the media might calm down and leave him which they inevitably don't. But maybe um yeah, maybe Giannis kind of getting it off his back at this point. And I I do love that. I don't think the Milwaukee beating Brooklyn who were weakened is any kind of detraction from them because they they effectively went up against a version of Kevin Durant who had nothing to lose and they beat him and there's not many teams that could claim to have a chance to do the same thing
1: yeah exactly
2: exactly I think my main thing with Yanis is not like I'm dying for him to win one but I just don't want to listen to it if he doesn't win this one because like (laughs) this is this is a pretty clear path apart from like the all-time playoff villain Trey Young like, there's not a whole lot in front of him yet. <laughs> like, it's
0: true. I, I think the, the Trey Young winning it thing is dangerous, man, because he's just going to enable people who have small man syndrome. They're going to think that someone's finally come through for them. Like, I'm very, very conscious of not letting my and watch Trey Young. So I was like, oh, man, the ideas he's going to get from this tiny guy running his mouth is only going to make things worse. Yeah.
2: What do you think of Trey, Matt? Like, because he's kind of, he was kind of divisive until a month ago
1: so yeah i'm i'm i, won't, I wouldn't i call myself a trey young fan i'm definitely cheering against him actively with, with, the, with the bucks but seeing him rise to this point to this series i think is, is pretty exciting especially going into new york which obviously they're not an awesome team but it's just a i guess a storied place to play yeah. um it's the like the ultimate place to go perform and he was taking a bow at the end of it i mean that's that says a lot about that guy. I mean, I yeah. I, I love it. He's such a showman, and uh, he's actually having a pretty good series right now. I just don't think he can win it.
2: No, no. no, I think there's too much defense in front of him, considering how small he is. But as you say, like he's gained my respect. Anyone who goes into the Garden and like shushes an MSG crowd who's just been chanting Trey Young's bowling for five games, yeah. like that's if you if you it make makes, it through it that on and then buy at the end.
1: Yeah. They like they spit on the kid and he just kind of like whatever. Yeah,
2: Yeah. talking trash to Spike Lee in his first playoff series ever. Like, okay, congratulations. You're you're in.
0: He's there for it, man. So Matt, for the finals, what's your call in terms of you've said Milwaukee, but it's gonna be Milwaukee in how many games and over who?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the Bucks in six and over oh man after last night, it kind of seems like the Suns aren't going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to say... <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm going to say Bucks over in 6. Because Only because I want to see Paul George get knocked out. <laughs> yeah.
2: Paul George, who is in a Gatorade commercial hitting a game-winning shot, and at that point, he had never hit one in the NBA. He doesn't deserve to get to the finals, then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so funny.
0: Man, I think thought- I think it's um the Suns and Bucks series it, I definitely enjoy watching it more because I me too. I just don't the Clippers don't have enough guys who interest me and I don't know why but I dislike Marcus Morris a, proportion, a disproportionate amount compared to like how irrelevant he is he just something about him really grates on me and I the NBA finals will mean less to me if he's playing a like an important role in it <laughs> they don't
1: have a lot of likable guys to be honest
0: that's true did, did you see the quote that came out today Stephen A. Smith said that um said that they should let Kawhi go in free agency and build around Paul George and Terrence Mann and it was like hey come on now uh, we um, yeah, exactly. it a little bit here
1: yeah, but the Steve, like, leave it to Stephen A. Smith to say something like that.
2: <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, whose job is to upset people online, yeah, like yeah. that's exactly what it is. But about a pretty awesome job. Yeah, yeah. He's, a,
0: he's a troll with a production budget. Is basically all he is.
2: <laughs> yeah. Although well, I've heard people talk about Stephen A. Smith who've like worked with him, and they're like, "That guy is just—he is that guy all the time." Like, I don't know how he does it. He just comes into work turns that part of his brain on and goes all day and it's like that's <laughs> exhausting like i don't know if we could do that on this podcast for 20 minutes i need to sleep
0: yeah i wonder if he's just super outrageous all the time so like when they're in the canteen is he like hey the strawberry milkshakes way better than the chocolate one and people drink it Like, well, no, it isn't he's like yeah i know i just had to be controversial on all possible fronts i don't think
1: he could turn it off i think he's just oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's just him at all times yeah <laughs> he's that guy for
2: sure but <laughs> Well, just I, 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 you might not have an answer to this, but do you have any NBA players that you hate for no reason? Because that's always a fun thing to pick into. Paul
1: George is definitely one. <laughs> let me, let me, let me think of another one. <laughs> They're all very arbitrary. Who is your,
0: who is your team growing up, Matt? The Pistons. The oh,
1: Pistons. I, I, we had some, and we had some, we had some golden years as well. Like when I was, when I was in Whitewater, that's when the the Malice of the Palace was going down. And if we weren't winning years, games, we were winning fights. <laughs> uh, but like Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Tayshaun Ben Wallace, like those are my guys. There, Rashid Wallace.
0: Yeah, yeah. That I think they're they're kind of the the blueprint for every team that isn't realistically good enough to win the title. And they're like, hey, look what those guys did. We'll keep this kind of ramshackle group together for enough years that we might break through at some point. But they're about the only team who's ever taken that approach and actually got. Oh that. man. Apart they, from maybe the Turk Mavs, possibly.
1: That, that too. <laughs> that too. That was that was almost unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Okay, last last NBA question. I'll fire at you before we jump to our listener questions because you've given up far too much of your time already. Um, this playoffs that's kind of happened, there's been a, I think it's fair to say, be it injuries or whatever else, there seems to have been a little bit of a changing of the guard in terms of, you know, who's who's arrived at the top level what be it the series that are going on now or the previous series in the first, first and second rounds, is there anybody you've seen or any team you've seen where all you're thinking now is, Hey, look out for this guy or these guys in a year's time.
1: Ooh, I like that question. Um, I mean, obviously we just got finished talking about Trey young who's having, I mean, he's already, he's already come out and he's always already been, a, a star, but I, they keep saying in the, in the game, you can attach super to it. Now. I don't know if he's gotten that far. I don't know if you can call him a superstar, but yeah. no, he's, he's playing superstar basketball. And I think in a year's time, I think he's going to be, be somebody that, Oh man, look out. Um, I, I hope Giannis keeps growing. Um, yeah. I hope he keeps, keeps continue to be a good player. I mean, he's taking the shots that he wants to take. He's pulling up for threes. He's, he's taking fadeaways and stuff now. Um, it, it seems like he's still trying to expand his game. And I, I really like watching Giannis play basketball. Like he's just he's 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 so easily easy to like. He's such yeah. a good, like he's a good guy to be a fan of. Yeah. Um in a year's time. Ooh, I, I like, I like uh what's Lonzo's brother's name? Um, I like LaMelo. Yeah, he's fun, man.
0: Yeah, I think the um with all the draft order just being worked out as well, and kind of how this draft's going to fall, I think there's a real chance the Hornets get one more guy this year, and then they really look like a, you know, a, at least a threatening playoff team. Cause I'd so much rather see them in the eight spot this time next year than like Washington or whatever Boston end up putting together. Cause watch it. I've been on the Boston aren't that good train for like the last four years, and they always make the Eastern Conference finals. And then it was like, finally, I've been saying Boston aren't that good, and they are a seven seed and get, or six seed, or whatever they were, and get swept. And it was four years late, but I felt very vindicated, and I'm very ready (laughs) to move on from them.
1: Absolutely.
0: Wicked. Shall we hit? listener questions then james because yeah i think you've got them in front
2: of you yes i've got them in front of me uh before we do listener questions there was one question that we asked you to prep before you came on and
1: it is can you name an all-star five of people you've played with i gotta pull my phone out because i tried this was really this was a hard question for me to answer um, because i didn't want to have too much of a u.s bias and i wanted and i didn't want to um I didn't want, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's an all-star team and I played with a lot of, a lot of good players and I didn't want anybody to feel slighted. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, You're going to give us the full
0: 12 man roster at this point.
1: <laughs> I know exactly. Right. I, I thought about doing that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, where did I jot it down at? Eh, I got you. Okay. You're
2: going to have to just go off the top there. I was like, Oh God.
0: When he said he had to get his phone, I assumed he was like texting people and be like, "Hey, if I had to throw an all-star team together, could you be? Could you make it to the states right now?"
1: To, to be honest, I don't even know where it is right now, but I remember what it was though. So, all right, a lot of people don't don't know or or remember because it was really a long time ago. Um, but I played with Pat at one time, um, and it you'd be you'd be hard pressed to find a handful of better basketball players than Patrick Anderson. I mean, he's yeah. he's <laughs> He's he's been head above shoulders above you know people in skills um, and he's he's an incredible basketball player so I would put him as uh as number one with a, as a four five spot I will put Mateos Folibski as a four five I take Jake Williams as my two five I throw myself in there as a three five and then as my um, as my last slot I will put Yatskivisky cool.
0: That's that's one hell of a lineup.
2: <laughs> yeah, that'll get it done for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> cool. That, that would be a fast track to your next Champions Cup win, I think. <laughs> and all,
1: all those players are still playing. I gotta try to try to get them to see if we can all team up somewhere. Yeah, I gotta so, get it. Right yeah,
0: done. Spain needs a little bit more influx of um, another super <laughs> team. Yeah, um,
2: just go to Italy and only play three of you at once. <laughs>
0: We'll, we'll go go back to Turkey and you guys can wrote her in and wrote her out like a couple of you in each game.
2: Okay. Next question. What's your favorite meal during tournaments and do you like Japanese food?
1: No I, I love Japanese food. It was that, was that Ayaka there? I was going to say
2: no points for guessing who asked. That.
1: <laughs> I think we
2: only have one Japanese listener.
1: <laughs> oh, I love Japanese food. Absolutely love it. But yeah, my, I guess my go-to meal at a tournament, something simple: chicken and rice, steak and steak and potatoes. Something simple. Yeah, I think I think
2: what Iak like is feeling to take into account is it's whatever they give you,
0: or <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever you can fit in your suitcase to bring with you.
1: All right. Cool. As veteran. That's veteran. Um, Veteran Paralympians know that we gotta sometimes bring a little bit of food with us. <laughs> yeah, that was
2: one of the first bits of advice I ever got
1: about tournament basketball. Someone was like, "Snacks." I was like, "What do you mean?" Yeah. Just like snacks. No context. <laughs> that, that was that was that was good advice. I don't know who gave that to you, but that's he's a real MVP. <laughs> oh yeah, I got like, yeah, I got hooked up. I was like sixteen, Be like, "What do you mean?"
2: I was like, "Snacks." Doesn't matter what you're gonna like. You're just gonna be like sad and hungry a weekend in, and you're gonna need something. Yeah, but. Okay, next one. If you had to play for another country, which would you choose out of GB and Turkey? It's a weird one. Turkey, okay.
1: Turkey. I live there. I mean, that was I got you know that was I speak I speak full blown Turkish.
0: Well, um, I would argue you speak English as well, so that's not really a barrier to the that, GB. That's, that
1: that that's true, but you guys speak a well much different English than I do. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um,
0: Hey, and what then, are you on about? We've had, no, we've had no problems communicating this last hour and a half, man. You can't use that, that as an true.
1: excuse. That is true. That is true. Uh, but also just being able to play with guys like Oscar again, um, Ismail. Um, those, those guys were uh, – I mean, I, I know I named five for my for my all-star five, but those are guys who are definitely honorable mention uh, who I would love to play with again.
2: Sure. For sure. Um, have you ever lost your shoes
1: during a game? Oh man, Whew. I used to lose them all the time. And I still do sometimes. I, I mean I feel like I lost them a lot this year, but yeah, I was gonna say uh, I've seen it. Like... Yeah, it, it happens sometimes. I've I've gotten a lot better with it. Like I tie I tie my shoes on my nubs pretty tight. I've actually been I've been threatened to get a technical file if my shoe fell off again. I was like, I don't have any. <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah. Although ref- wearing
2: is. shoes when you don't have any feet is like it's unconventional. <laughs> it's, you know, I didn't. I mean, you really didn't have feet for a very long time.
0: Really? You yeah, did I, yeah I, I was. I was the it? same, actually.
1: Hmm. Strange. All right. I guess I got to but... start. And let my let my shoes fall off a little bit more. <laughs> gotta get <laughs> really? the gotta get <laughs> the word out. All right, everybody on the bench unit, you, you guys got to spread that. You got to spread spread a rumor about me actually having feet or something like that. But well, yeah. yeah, we're just yeah. one. <laughs>
0: but you yeah, um... exactly. You have to wear the shoes, right? Because the shoe, like good shoes and good basketball trainers, are like a symbol of status in in any basketball context anywhere in the world. So even if you don't actually need to wear them, it's like a sign that you're tapped into what's going on, right? That's the important oh, bit.
1: You 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 couldn't you couldn't have said it any better. I don't need to say anymore. That's just how <laughs> it goes. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, kind yeah, of synonymous person. with
1: the culture, man. Like yeah, it is, it is. Oh, you got a solid pair of sneakers. We better watch out. He's dropping thirty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember when we came to play you in during and i was like oh you're you're, you're you're playing in pippins okay okay <laughs> like the first thing i ever spoke to you about i was like oh sick but yeah yeah man um okay is there any team you haven't played for who's on your bucket list
1: i haven't played for that's on my bucket list uh no i don't really have a wheelchair basketball bucket list um I mean, as far as, like, accolades and and goals and aspirations, uh, those are my bucket list, I suppose. But as far as, like, players to play with, I feel like I've played with the best of them. Um, As far as teams that I've played for, I feel like I've played with the best of them.
0: Fair enough. You've not got one of these obscure things like our friend Tom, who every every team he ever (laughs) plays for plays in yellow. You've not got, like, a streak to keep alive in that sense. I
1: definitely don't have anything like that. I... um, (laughs) I'm, it'd be it'd be nice to uh, it'd be nice to retire in a really nice, uh, really nice sunny location. Sure,
2: cool, man. Um, what would you say is your biggest achievement in the sport that wouldn't
1: be one people expect? Ooh, 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 ooh! Wouldn't be one that people expect. Um, so, I think I think the one that people would expect would obviously be the gold medal. Um, you know that's that's top of the top as far as accolades go Um, and I was I was super pumped about that Um, I think just I think bouncing back from 2018 and being able to be rostered on the Paralympic team and on one of the one of the best national teams in the entire world um, I I find that to be pretty pretty good accomplishment and that's something that I that I pride myself in and maybe that would go under the the medal or or any other handful of of accolades champion cups or whatever
0: sure
2: yeah for sure like i think when it comes to like overcoming something that's like bigger than basketball like that i think that has to that has to feel very very important of course for sure um it's the most important thing for young and up-and-coming players to focus on to improve—ooh,
1: consistency. Um, just, just keep continuing to go at it. Um, I, I was just at that that NWBA uh, junior tournament. I guess it wasn't the junior tournament, but um, I always, always find myself gravitating to those. And um, that's that's the biggest question that you get is like, hey, so you know, how do I get to the college level? How do I get to the Paralympic level? And I just tell them just, you know, keep going at it, keep going at it and make sure that you you stay consistent, make sure that you're you're practicing, make sure you're consistent with your studies, make sure you're it, consistency in all aspects. And I think you have that sort of balance with everything. Um, it, it sort of clears a, clears a path for you. Um, you got your studies intact, you got your, your, um, your training intact, you got your goals and your aspirations intact, and you got the right path awesome
2: cool um, do you watch or play any other sports
1: um, I watch other sports um, I really like tennis I like watching tennis I suck at it but I like watching tennis I like watching um, I like watching sports that like my other like friends that that play sports I like watching them do well um, whether they're you know, baseball players or volleyball players or whatever the case may be um, I even had some friends that did like downhill skiing in the Paralympics um that i know nothing about i have no idea um i have no idea what what a what a good race looks like Uh, i just know that if you get down there first you you win um but I, i watch i watch anything just to support my friends um and i can i can appreciate athleticism on all different different spectrums.
2: cool man um bit of a change of pace from appreciating athleticism what are your top three
1: fast food restaurants Ooh, i literally, man, we just had this conversation. So uh, the same tournament I just told you, uh, we went on a, like a six hour road trip. And my girlfriend is from Ireland. Um, she, she, she's living in America for the first time. So we stopped at a place called Jack in the Box, which she's like ranting and raving about and Jack in the Box isn't even in my top 10. So um,
2: <laughs> it was her who asked so, this question, by
1: the way. <laughs> that's so funny. All right. So top three are culver's which you might not even ever heard of no but culver's uh chick-fil-a and uh man let's go kentucky fried chicken there's a theme i'm a chicken guy
0: yeah <laughs> it's um yeah you're definitely right with the the variety of fast food that you guys have got is like leagues ahead of anything over here it's just we have i think like three or four american imports probably more but then I've I've actually never been to States, but I've been to Toronto the one time and it's literally like there's six hundred different things on the single street. You're like, how does anyone here decide where to go for lunch? <laughs> it's so much choice.
1: It's all it's all uh, it's all about where you're from. I'm telling right. you. Like you'll have like a you have like a regional place and people will just swear off of it. They're like, no, nah, that place sucks. Oh yeah, really, yeah, I get it. That's cause that's because you're from Texas. Like oh, right. man, we only go here. It's like, oh, that's because you're from California. That's yeah. just the way it
2: is. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen people ready to swing over like Whataburger versus Shake oh, Shack versus In and Out versus like it's like, hey, come on, man. Absolutely. Like, it's it's all fine. <laughs> but just I remember good, I had because there's like one Shake Shack in the UK in London. Okay. And I was in Florida a couple of years ago. Just before we got locked in our hotel for like a tornado weather warning and I figured out there was a Shake Shack down the street. So I went in in like just the edge of our tornado outside and made um, my girlfriend um, at the time, fiance now, uh, walk down at this street in like gale force winds, <laughs> like rain blowing completely just horizontally into our faces. She's a vegetarian as well, so this was just for me. Um, <laughs> it was absolutely worth it, but that shows you the level of fast food we have in the UK compared to what you guys have
1: stateside. <laughs> I'm um, just looking out the window. I can see all uh, the golden arches. But I'm
2: oh man, I've been camped too long. <laughs> <laughs> um okay of all the leagues you've played
1: in what's been the best experience that's a tough one man they've all been great for different different reasons um obviously some greater than others um i really liked i really liked turkey because it was my first experience and obviously had a, a crazy amount of success there um germany was was also amazing um you know the teammates that I had and the the club that I was a part of. Um in Italy was just like this sort of refresh. So, um, and off the court, it was just really cool. Just living that that Italian lifestyle, very laid back, and drinking coffee and wine and eating pizza all the time. That was fun. Uh, I I can't really choose. I I really I really love them all. I Really love them all. Cool. Uh, those three. Those three. I really love all.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, last question: Which Champions Cup win
1: meant the most to you? Ooh, I think the. I guess I'm going to say the last one, but it's just because maybe it was just a recency bias, I guess. Um, but also the the things that I needed to overcome in order to to be a part of that um, that that was that was a great win, um, and the the people that I did it with um, those are that that club three your bulls and um everybody that's that's established in that club is you know that's that that was like a big family and it was really fun to to win those to win that particular cup. awesome yeah man
2: okay, okay that's the end of the questions and the end of the podcast yeah, um sure
1: thanks that's... so much for coming on man it's been great hey i pre- i appreciate it man and I, I definitely want to nobody can see you right now but you rocking that mf doom shirt is uh, that that's a uh, but it's just like you were saying before. You recognize somebody with with good shoes. You know that uh, they know what's up. You yeah, I moved back enough on. that you could see it. But no, um, yeah. yeah. Rest in
2: peace, MF Doom. Top five all time. Absolutely, me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh,
1: did you did you did you own a mask or no?
2: Uh, no, no. I never, I never quite got there. But um yeah. I love him, man. Thanks a lot for having me, guys.
0: Hey, well, no worries, man. Welcome back anytime. Thank you for, thank you for joining us. And yeah, thank you for giving up how it, I think you've beaten Yannick's recording time by one minute at this point. So we we've kept you on the hook longer than, um, longer than we should have done at the very least.
1: I appreciate it, fellas. This is, this is great. And I'm, I'm obviously a big, uh, I'm a big supporter of what you guys going on got going on and um, I hope you continue to grow with it.
0: Thanks, man. We appreciate oh. that. Well, yeah, you're obviously welcome back anytime. And next time you get a, a series prediction, roughly right, we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll haul you back in and you can tell us what your secret is for almost predicting the right outcome. That's <laughs> in six. That's <laughs> in six. Working. All right. right. Uh,
2: thanks for listening, guys. Uh, until next time. Yeah, Eat all easy. the best people. Peace out.